Hi, I'm Jameson Newlander, Alan Frog from The Lost Boys, and you're watching the Frog Brothers Podcast. Let me get it's refreshment time, folks. I'm just going to go watch a movie. Do you like scary movies? I don't watch movies. I have to return some videotapes. You have a TV? No. I just like to read the TV guide. Read the TV guide. I don't need a TV. Books, records, films, these things matter. Call me shallow. It's the fucking truth. Over 1,600 titles. Each for rent at just $2 the first night and only a... called television and on this invention they show shows right it's a laser disc okay one channels 18 24 63 and welcome to the frog brothers podcast with your hosts justin and alec hello and welcome to the frog brothers podcast podcast episode number 85 is it 85 it is 85 yeah did you double check i checked in our stream I checked our YouTube page to make sure that we're on the right day, the right time, the right channel. Good, because last week we didn't actually release an episode. We released two episodes, bonus episodes, interviews. Last week we had a bunch of fucking content, but not a formal episode, because I was in Vegas getting hitched. Yeah, so since 84, which is when we talked to Donnie Darko, and we also talked to those P people. Yeah. Ooh, the P times. I remember that. That was a good one. Hey, so there's a bunch of fucking news going on this week. Um... I'm kind of going to go in order of importance. Now, Chris Pratt has been getting oversaturated in everything. He just got cast as Garfield. It's kind of annoying that he's going to do Garfield and Mario. I mean, he was okay in the Lego movie. But the only reason I bring that up is because Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 officially started filming today. Marvel is posting about it on social media, so is James Gunn. So it's noteworthy that I love those. But I don't know how to feel about Chris Pratt right now. I'm just going to go off on a tangent here, like... You kind of want to, like, just hate him, but, like, I do like some of the roles he's done, but he's getting too much play, all right? And I, I'm just I'm very conflicted about it, so mm -hmm. it's very uncomfortable because some of his politics are very drastically different than mine, and uh, it's hard to support something like that that's so off. So that's what I got to say about that. <sighs> Damn! Hey, the uh, Hasbro... HasLab's Ghostbusters Proton Pack Replica 1 to 1 scale has reached its initial 7,000. Oh my god! Oh my god! And we are almost at 8,000, so we're almost halfway to the first stretch goal, which is the no-brainer stretch goal. Like, I'm, I'd be really fucking irate in the most disappointed and sad old man ways if we don't get the hose, because they show you that the hose threads onto the pack, and it'll actually power your spangler wand by replacing the battery insert in the wand so mm -hmm. excited to see how this goes but that backing's going up and there's still like almost 30 days left in the campaign yeah. i think if and you haven't done it do it do it yes yeah so uh go out and back that if you haven't yet it's a very great price if you're someone that's built the proton pack it's got great details on it. It's going to be a great display piece for me personally. I don't know if that's the one. You know, I've I put a lot of time. There's in multiple. For... Also, I want to point this out. There's multiple categories of proton packs in general that yes. are 
props or costume bits or toys or somewhere in between all of those. You have the completely screen accurate ones or the ones that are as close as you can get that are anywhere from $1,500 to $3,000 or more. Mm-hmm. Well, yours is probably closer to fifteen or 2000 Oh, I'm well over two grand in that right now, I bet. Yeah, so I don't have a pack like that. My main pack is a modded spirit pack, which at most has four or $500 in it, but not even that. Um, it I has mean, a Spangler wand and the original pack. You, if you even just rounded those at 200 bucks. The electronics kit I put in there, just the light kit I put in there was like a $12 home kit soldering board. And so that's pretty basic. And I didn't put a lot of money into anything else really. So maybe there's the cost of the pack, the cost of the Alice frame, the cost of the Spangler wand you've got on there. Yeah. So that's like maybe 250, 300. Yeah. And this this one that's coming out is a $400 pack. And by no means is it 100% replacing your little, uh, you know, handmade pack from whoever's designs or, you know, whatever else. Or even if you're the person who's making the designs. But those people who are actually making the designs are usually pretty, uh, pretty, uh, I don't know how to put this, level-headed yeah. about this kind of a thing. You got to look at it in a, in a number of ways, right? So this isn't there to cut off any of the high-end builders, right, that are doing, like, replicas with high details and everything like that, right? This is a mass-produced item, and just much like the Spangler one, there's going to be some things on there that will throw a hardcore purist off just because if you built one of those, you know the kind of love that goes into that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, right, this has some things that are going for it. So if you're a spirit pack builder or upgrader and you want to upgrade to a full-size kit, this is going to be a great way to do it. They've got a hardware kit... (sighs) That'll allow you to actually attach a regular Alice frame to it already, and I'm assuming that means you can use the same straps. You just need the frame itself, which is quite all right, because if you've noticed in some of the stuff for Ghostbusters Afterlife already, um, nerd alert here, I'm going to go into some detail that you may not give a shit about, but I do. Um, so the LC1 Alice frame has the smaller belt buckle that you see in Ghostbusters 1. Ghostbusters 2, the kidney pads were replaced to a heavier-duty one, so it's got a wider buckle on there. And... In Ghostbusters Afterlife, we're seeing the basically current third-party aftermarket kidney pack that's basically got the big clip belt buckle, which is even different from Ghostbusters 2. So we're basically on the third iteration of that, which is what they have um, attached to the Hasbro pack. So a lot of little stuff to nerd out on over there, but really great value. So if you're on the fence about doing it and you don't don't have a pack, just pack this thing. It's amazing. Do it. Um, oh, the other bit of news. So the final Ghostbusters Afterlife trailer dropped today. We've got a special review video of that talking about it. So go check that video out if you didn't already check it out before this. That'll probably be in your feed before this episode. So circle back. And if you didn't see the Instagram and social media announcement, we will be at the Ghostbusters Afterlife premiere in New York City. And uh, we're flying into New York next Sunday. So we're gonna do some sightseeing. We're gonna Fucking go to the. A, man. We're gonna go to the Yes Have Some podcast pre-party the night before. So that was limited to 50 tickets. So we're looking forward to seeing 47 other awesome people that'll be there. Nick is a maybe ongoing. We don't know what he's doing yet. Our buddy in our Midland Empire group, Jerry, will be. Communicate. Our buddy Jerry will be going with us. Uh, Jerry was with us at FanFest. So Friendship. Very awesome to have that. And then in other news, 
I, think I mean, that's... that's the fucking news right there. We're going to be making a uh, video of all of the basically big Ghostbusters filming locations from Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2 in Manhattan. So expect that coming out as well sometime in the next couple weeks. Just lots of Ghostbusters afterlife-centric content because there's going to be our initial review that we record the day of a week from today will not be released right away, obviously. But then we might also do like a five-minute reaction, spoiler-free, like, yeah. a, hey, look, we were there. You should hype it up a little bit and, or, you know, let us let let you know our basic feelings without revealing anything. Um, we're going to do some roundtables. Yeah, we got a lot of we got a lot of Ghostbusters Afterlife content in the works. Trying to work with some other good people in the community as well to get some of their feedback, their thoughts. It's going to be a hell of a time. So if you see us in New York, hit us up. We're going to have some goodie bags of some uh, Ghostbusters-inspired uh, Frog Bros podcast items available. So we're going to have a little goodie bags, a couple things in there. So Smoke weed every day. That's Just kidding. Just kidding. Model. There's not going to be weed in the bags at all. No, not in those bags. Saddle bags. Oh. Um, if Dan Aykroyd pulls up on a motorcycle at the premiere... And gets out and smokes a Blues Brothers blunt from Jim Belushi's marijuana farm. I'm going to ask him about UFOs right away. How would you respond to that? Would you take a hit? I would 100% take a hit. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, son. Who wouldn't? It's Dan Aykroyd. Well, what if you woke up in an alternate universe? And you know how if there's multiverses. Let's oh, get shit. into this. All right, let's get weird, Anything kids. is possible. So what if he pulls up, just like you said, but then points to you? And then he goes like this. And as soon as you get over there to him, and for, everybody's watching, everybody's like, what the fuck? Like, there's even the news reporters are like, holy shit, what is, what is this? What's Dan Aykroyd doing? He pulls out a bottle of ranch. He unzips his pants. <laughs> he pulls out his cock. He pours the ranch dressing onto his cock, and he says, I hope you like ranch. <laughs> what do you do? It's got to be vegan ranch. <laughs> <laughs> you ask if it's vegan. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> all right. Then then all of a sudden you shift into the alternate universe where it is vegan ranch. <laughs> you just got to do the work. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it. But wait, do I at least get an autograph or something? On the back of your throat. <laughs> if you work for it. It's glow in the dark. <laughs> glow in the dark paint. <laughs> Did we just go there? He'll write really your good. name in the snow, too. Yeah, if you're still listening to us... uh well, we're fucking weird, and we know it, so. <laughs> I was about to say, it doesn't even have to be an alternate universe, and I'll do it. Well, I didn't think it would. I'll I knew, like, I knew you were like, talking about hypothetical. I'll be like, talk about UFOs while I'm working here, Dan. <laughs> yeah, tell me about the UFO experiences you had, like on the Joe Rogan podcast. Use your ancient alien's voice. Yeah, use that narrator voice. Oh, man. Well, we got weird real quick. Um, eh, it's it's Monday. It's Monday. I don't know how else to get out these feelings of excitement of going to this. Um, this is a thing. So it's, we will see you there if you're going. Mm -hmm. If you are going, leave a comment. If you're watching this on YouTube and be like, hey, I'm going too. Well, we should meet up and I get one of those free bags of swag from you guys. And I'll also give you $20. And maybe a blunt and a blowjob and a massage. You could sleep with my wife. <laughs> you know, oh, Jesus. <laughs> however, however willing you want to get with this shit. <laughs> like how, how much do you want to share? You're scaring the straights. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
Uh, yeah, uh, so we're pretty hyped up, if you didn't notice. So speaking of hyped up, <laughs> this episode tonight, we're covering the movie Stripes from 1981. And obviously, thank you for smoking. Uh, we're going to do a little father-son movies and uh, talk about some of the... Yeah, this is our last things, episode of the podcast before we have seen Ghostbusters Afterlife, which I don't know what kind of regular episode you're going to get next week. It's probably not going to be a regular. It's probably just going to be a special one. So special might one be there. numbered, but it's going to be like the regular numbered episode and be long like that. We'll probably release what that Monday night following that weekend release of Ghostbusters. Assuming our internet connection is solid, we might actually even go live on YouTube. I don't know if we want to set something like that up. We'll see. We're talking to some other people to see what the post-movie situation looks like. Yeah. So, but anyway, enough of the weirdo shit because, well, we're fucking weird and we can't help it. We're going to get into more weird shit while we go into the Stripes, it's all right? Well, fuck yeah, Stripes has some of the best Bill and Murray lines ever Bill said. Murray should be canceled for this movie. No, he shouldn't. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, you're going into your weird guy voice. Exactly. Your weird guy voice, this fucking guy over here. Uh, so Stripes, the year is 1981. Hey, are you forgetting something? Oh, fucking theme. You know what I just watched? Me pulling a can off some moron's fist. Return of the Jedi. Did you see Alien? When that uh, creature was in that guy's stomach? Oh my god. Oh my god. You ever seen that really old movie? Uh, Empire Strikes Back? Jesus, Tony. Welcome to Retro Release Reviews. So, the movie is Stripes. Stripes. The year is 1981. The director is Ivan Reitman. Ivan Reitman. The picture company is Columbia. Columbia Pictures. The score is done by Elmer Bernstein. The film stars Bill Murray, Harold Ramis, who is also a writer on this project. Amongst others, you have John Candy, Warren Oates, John Larquette, Sean Young, PJ Souls, Judge Reinheld, Joe Flaherty. Flaherty? Flaherty? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Bill Paxton in a, in a small cameo. Yeah. And, and not a cameo, but a, uh, you know, he's basically an extra. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave Thomas, also kind of really small there. But um, either way, let's talk about some of these people real quick. So obviously Bill Murray, we don't need to introduce. Yeah, Bill Murray speaks for himself. So does Harold Ramis. And they play John Winger and Russell Ziski, respectively. Yeah. Um, uh, PJ Souls. We recently talked about in um episode of Haunted by Tapes, because she's in the original Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, and Carrie. Yes. Sean Young, we've talked about a couple times as well, because she's in um, Blade Runner and Ace Ventura. Fucking Einhorn. Einhorn. Einhorn is a man! Yeah, and it's crazy, like, how well that holds up. And she's so good in Ace Ventura, I don't even think of her as being the same you know, uh, actor from that to this, so. Yeah. Um, I like Judge Reinhold being in there, too. He's good. And then Joe Flaherty was a border guard, which you know from Happy Gilmore is the uh, guy that's sass and happy the whole movie, so I thought that was kind of he's funny. He's also from SCTV. He's in, mm-hmm. what's funny is he's a Canadian border patrol person in um, that 70s show, and he's also the dad on Freaks and Geeks, which yes. is wonderful. Yeah, he's um, great. Dave Thomas is in Strange Brew, mm-hmm. also SCTV. Lots of SCTV people, obviously, John Candy and um, Harold. So, a fun no. fact about this movie, if Second you're... City. You got anyone else in the cast? No. Um, okay. I mean, Warren Oates is on there, but, you know, he's Hulka. Yeah, he's great. 
Um, what I was going to say is, this was originally written as a Cheech and Chong picture, as Cheech and Chong joined the army. Now, that didn't quite work out, obviously, so with some rewrites and stuff like that, it became Stripes as, as what we know it now, and one of the reasons Ivan Reitman wanted Harold Ramis to be on the movie and help with the rewrites was so he could work with Bill Murray on set and do this, and so like we see their... We see the way they work together in this, so it's amazing. This is a couple of years before Ghostbusters, so it's a no-brainer that they work so well in that movie, yeah. too. And really, I think that was the beginning of their working relationship, which went on up through Groundhog Day. So, Who's? Bill Murray and uh, Harold Ramis. Caddyshack was what you're talking about? No, I was talking about this. Caddyshack's when they work together. The first time? Yeah, because that came out the year before this. Oh, okay, yeah, that's I mean, true. I mean, they might have even met each other before that. Actually, yes, for sure. National Lampoon, radio. Okay, yeah, that's true. 76, I want to say. Yeah, and I think they already had... Well, already this is had before a... Bill Murray was even on SNL. True. Oh, so yeah. So this is like, yeah. they've actually known each other quite a while. Yeah, so they already had a good working relationship here, which just shows you why Ghostbusters works as well as it does, because these for two sure. alone... Just watching Stripes, you could easily see Ghostbusters without Dan Aykroyd or, or uh, Ernie Hudson, just I've, based on those two having that chemistry, doing what they're doing. Yeah. Well, Ivan had already done shit, too. Like, Well, yeah, he already so, did Meatballs and other stuff. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's really a... This movie is so good, though. It's so fucking funny. And it's surprising to see how the ratings aren't where you think they are because it's like, yeah, it's an army movie. I never take an army movie that's a comedy too seriously. It's like... Yeah, I'm not a military movie person. There's a couple of them out there when they do interesting portrayals of it that aren't entire... As long as they're not trying to make the military look fucking cool. I'm if they're not trying it. to make it look cool, yeah, if it's like kind of doofy, like this and Spies Like Us are probably my favorite two... In the army now, I gotta say. I love that. Yeah, I love that one too. But that's basically like a soft reboot of this. But, you know, like Private yeah. Benjamin... Mm-hmm. That's another one that's kind of like one of those ar- fish out of water army stories. Somebody, yeah. There's, there's lots of that. It's easy for them to be cliche, but this one's actually really funny. It holds up, and with the good cast in it, I think that really adds to the next level. But what I was also listening to is like how much of this score of Elmer Bernstein's music sounds like Wild Wild West. Yes, it it's, sounds exactly like. There's it. so much of this as Wild Wild West, and there's some notes of Ghostbusters that you'll feel in there. Well, I was about to say there. the. <laughs> There's but not it's much. closer. It's closer to Wild Wild West than anything else. I've heard that. a lot of Wild Wild West, so like I kept being like, "Wait, am I watching?" Oh shit! I just forget. It's Elmer Bernstein's score, and there's just yep. a lot of cues that are very similar. There's one in particular that reminds me of Ghostbusters, which is the one I think you were talking about, which is yeah. basically the boom 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 Yeah, some of the slower music, right? The not piano the stuff. music, yeah. It sounds like the the good, yeah. But I love being able to tie that over, though. I love seeing, like... Uh, you said a direct... spooky, like I was talking about spooky music. But there's, like, the triumphant military-sounding music, basically, that no, s- I... somehow sounds like Western music also. I don't know how he fucking did it, but it's the same yeah. music. I meant there's nothing in there that's spooky like you would hear in Ghostbusters. Right. Like, it's more like the uh, <clears throat> some of the other softer orchestral pieces in Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah, but... I see what you're saying. Um, I love how this movie opens up with... Uh, the shoe shine is... Yeah, I could do without that, but... Um, you got to start them somewhere, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, you see Bill get in a cab, and John goes off to work. He gets scammed because those guys run out without paying him, and then the lady in the fur coat gets on gets in, which obviously just immediately, because it's New York City, it's Bill Murray, and it's a lady in a fur coat, I think Ghostbusters 2 slime. Yeah. Uh, that's immediately where my brain goes. Yeah, the museum! <laughs> yeah. Um, 
But that's great, and that whole exchange <laughs> in that cab is hilarious. Oh, I thought that was a dog around your neck. <laughs> yeah, that's what he says to her. Yeah, there's some classics in there. <laughs> then my all-time favorite, and it really rings true right now because people are such assholes to other people, right? You know, humans... Well, I love when he starts... Are you, are you talking about the end of that scene? Yeah. Well, was a th there's a couple things, because it flashes and shows Harold and, and the classroom, too. Yeah, that's and true. And he's doing the... Uh, He's introducing himself, and he's like, no, you're going to get a lot of stuff from this class. That's my Harold Ramis impression. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am Dr. Russell, or Mr. Russell Ziski. And, um, and uh, anybody know English? And it's, uh, what is it? I wrote it down. You know some English. Yeah. Son of bitch. Shit. Mm -hmm. Which, Which I always... we always misquote as shit, peace, son of bitch. Yeah. Which I don't know why. That's why I had to write it down because in my head I always yeah. Because when I watched that, that, I always watched it. I'm like, God damn it, I'm quoting that wrong. And I always, you know, because Alec always gives me shit for quoting shit wrong. And I'm like, but shit, piss, son of bitch, like just flows. It has a flow to it. It's funny, but it's wrong. It's because of the George Carlin bit that we do that. Shit, yes. piss, fuck. Yeah, that's true. You're right. Hundred percent. It. Um, because that is burned in our heads. Not only because of George Carlin, but because of Blink One Eighty Two. So. Um, I yeah. love when he's taking her fucking picture though when he's driving. Yeah, oh, I took all this cough syrup too and started yeah. swerving around. Yeah, <laughs> what does he say? It's not. It's not the uh, whatever. It's the. Uh, it's, I just wish I hadn't drank all that cough syrup this morning. You know. Yeah. <laughs> he's swerving everywhere. I fucking love that. I'm an amateur. I'm a amateur photographer. Yeah. You know what? I don't think I want to take you in your bags to the airport. Yeah. In fact. <laughs> Whatever he says. And then he fucking pulls the car over. Fuck, it doesn't even pull it over. He fucking just parks it at an angle in the and middle blocks. of a fucking bridge and blocks all traffic. Yep. It's fucking heroic. And um, proceeds Walks to over. Yeah. throw his keys over the edge. Yeah, and he's just so gingerly. Like, grabs yeah. him I love hand. the way he does it. He like kind of looks at him and is like, it's kind of like a very soft toss. It's beautiful. Because I'm sure everyone's been in a spot like three, just like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm out. Mm-hmm. Um. So uh, then he's walking home, and he has the fucking pizza and the dress or whatever. He has the pizza and the dry cleaning. This is where that music is playing that I fucking love. Yes. And um, he's walking back to get his car. Is there a release of this score anywhere? Ooh, I don't know. Because I couldn't find it on anything on it on Spotify. That's disappointing. So that's at least not on the digital world. They need to do a, like a vinyl release of that score for sure. So I'm gonna get on that. Um. Well, you see that his car is getting repossessed. He yeah. thinks they're stealing it, and they're like, you haven't paid, and you know, hey, that's whatever. my car! <laughs> yeah, so they yell at him something about it not being paid for. So Then he drops the pizza and the dress. And the dress gets fucking ran over by the car as it drives off, mm -hmm. and the pizza ends up face down in there, which is perfect, because you just you don't know how that's going to go. I wonder how many, tucks, how many shots that took to get like that pizza landing how they wanted it. And um, probably not many. Yeah, I doubt it, yeah. Um... I love that because then he puts the pizza box in and he picks up the dress and tries to brush it off a little bit. He goes inside. He's like, I got you a pizza. <laughs> just the yeah. way he says that I got you a pizza. Like, he'll be like, oh, no, I'm not hungry. He's just yeah. not even going to tell her. Yeah. She's like, fuck it. I already bought it. Somebody's eating it. And obviously she's like, oh, hey, I'm just walking around topless. Oh, Because yeah. it's an Ivan Reitman movie in 1981. I was going to say it's a 19, an early 1980s movie where boobs were the thing, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, and, not that uh, boobs aren't a thing today, but I think there was just a, a 
there's a casualness in comedies back then that's a little bit more missing now, mostly yeah. due to ratings, but... It happens. Um, shows her the dress, and she's like, oh, great. And he's like, I had a really bad day. She's like, oh, I'm sure you did. He's like, I quit my job. I love the way he says it, too. Yeah, I quit my job. And she goes uh, off. She's like, I love you, John, but I can't. Like, you have no ambition. You have nothing. You you're nothing. a sexual dynamo. Most guys couldn't even handle you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because she talks about him staying up all night watching TV in the living room. Yeah. She's like, yeah, you fucking basically, uh, you play those fucking records till two in the morning, and then you just stay up till five, six, five or six in the morning watching old movies. And I'm like... I feel attacked. <laughs> no, that's what I saw when I was when I heard that. I was like, Jesus Christ, Alex is getting called out by someone that's in a movie. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, well, I'm already single. Well, checks out. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. And I'm makes not sense. joining the fucking army. No, that's not. That's not how you do that. Um, I'm part of a lost and restless generation. Talk about massive potential for growth. <laughs> Yeah, basically, I'm such a loser that all I have the room to go is up. And my favorite line um, from that, You can't go! All the plants are gonna die! <laughs> all the plants are gonna die. Yes, that is beautiful. His delivery of it. <sighs> I love it. His comedic timing is just perfect. Yeah, these are some of my like favorite early Bill Murray bits. Like, like meatballs is good and all. But like this is where like I actually die... Because of his performance. Meatballs is good, but it's very subtle in some of that. Like, Bill Murray's just kind of, like, being more laid back in there where he's hilarious, but he's not, like, the... I'm just saying I think I like this better. It, oh, It for gets sure. me more. Um, I laugh way more throughout. But him and Harold, too, you know, like, there's some of those lines that are just great. <laughs> Can I have your last beer? No. We'll split it. Reminds me of uh, you, I was kids when I'd always say, I'll split you a soda with you and I'd never give you any. Yeah, but then <laughs> you'd make me go upstairs and sneak upstairs in the middle of the night to get it. Yeah. yeah it's I, d I took all the risk and got none of the reward. <laughs> Man <laughs> manipulation at its finest. That's okay. Um, in the last two hours, I lost my job, my apartment, my girlfriend, and my car. I don't understand how he lost his apartment, though. He doesn't have a job, so I don't know if she I mean, I guess. him out or whatever else. So it looked like she left, though, and he was still at the apartment. So I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, I like how they're playing basketball there, though. When uh, yeah, it's funny. When Russell shows up, fucking break the window, and the fucking ball goes down, and they throw it back up it. and breaks the next window. You're like, yes, little help here. After he already like bothered yeah. to break out more and shit. Love that scene. That hurts so much more when you just lost your job and all that shit, too. It's just like, yeah, that's about right. Um, then you see the army commercial and do the push-up bit. I bet you can't do five push-ups. You gotta do the Maurice LaMange. I bet you can't do five push-ups. I bet you can't do five push-ups. Oh, you just doubled your money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is pretty funny, because they count out bills like they're both fucking broke. You could join the monastery. And one of my other favorite lines. Oh, this line is fucking amazing. You ever see a monk get wildly fucked by some teenage girls? <laughs> yeah. Now, it's a little... Off so much for the monastery. Uh, in, you know, in your mind, you automatically put that asterisk. 18 to 19 years old, based, based on that context, because otherwise it just sounds Also, creepy. it's 1981, and nobody yeah, yeah. had known any fucking better, sadly. Yeah, I know, but it's still... It's hilarious, but at the same time, you just got to throw that asterisk up there. Yeah, um... 
Let's see. Uh... Oh, then they go and sign up for the army, basically. Oh, and, and that's uh, another fucking golden moment in there. Yep. Are either of you homosexuals? Yeah, but right before that, the other question that gets me. Have you ever been, uh, either of you ever been convicted of a felony? Convicted? Uh, no, not no, convicted. No, not convicted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> like, and then the homosexual question. Uh, like, like flaming or... Yeah. Uh, He's like, no, we're not homosexual, but we are willing to learn. Yeah, he's like, but we are <laughs> willing to learn. <laughs> I love that. And the guy just looks confused. <laughs> yeah, it's classic. Oh, and then um, basically they're getting on the, the buses or they're corralling to get on the buses at the bus station. And Judge Reinhold's there, you know? Mm-hmm. He's like talking to Harold Ramis and he's like, uh, are you holding, man? Yeah. He's like, holding what? <laughs> he's like... <laughs> Oh, I was wondering if you could hold something for me. And he's like, hold, hold what? And he's like, drugs, man. <laughs> yeah, he looks fucking fucked up. It's amazing. It's like a very early uh, Reinhold. Because mm-hmm. what did Fast Times come out in 82? Maybe? I'm not sure. A couple Was it 82 or 83, maybe? So. Um, yeah, then you basically have the obligatory military movie in- introduction of the sergeant and uh, yep. the haircuts. Which and the, the haircut haircuts thing, are hilarious because, like, that's a whole other thing. Like, the haircuts aren't accurate at all. No, they don't. They, they. It seems like last minute, Bill and Harold were like, "No, we're not doing that to our yeah. hair." Yeah. Yeah. No, and like they both had like longer hair before then, just kind of showing you that they're like they slackers. They cut their hair, but then they cut it to something like a short, respectable haircut that's not like military. And some of the main cast did that too. Like, right? You can see all the recruits that were like, "You're not a big enough star to say no." And anyone that's got a decent haircut has had enough I, yeah, powers that, to say that yes. That pulled me out of it in that moment, but uh, yeah. it is what it is. Um, now, it would have worked later on because, you know, once you're going through basic, they would let you grow out to certain lengths and stuff like that. So by the time they're out of training and in Europe, that would make sense. Right, but that's not the case. Nope. And then they have the, the marching scene where they sing. Mm-hmm. Slightly amusing, I guess. Not a funny, super funny bit or anything, but, you know, slightly... No, the marching scene's much better at the end when they kind of come in and do their thing and show off the underdog score, so... Um, they, they do the intro to each other, and they're, like, you know, telling each other about them. And about Francis is the funniest one. Oh, yeah. And if you call me Francis, and I kill you. Yeah. And I catch any of you... I don't like anybody touching my stuff. I can't any of you touching my stuff, and I kill you. Mm-hmm. I also don't like nobody touching me. Any of you homos touch me, and I kill you. Lighten up, Francis. <laughs> exactly. I need to get that as a. And like uh, sound he, clip he even too. like looks at him like he's disgusted by him. Like he's like, "You're fucking nuts." Right. And then obviously Russell's whole fucking speech there. He's like, "I just want you guys to know, if we ever get into serious combat, I'll be right behind you." Every step of the way. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to let you have the Bill Murray one, because I know that's one of your favorites, Which too. one? <laughs> Chicks dig me. Oh, right. Well, yeah, I was going to say, before that, I have... Uh, oh, Ox. Ox. Yeah, his is great, too. I swallowed a lot of aggression, along with a lot of pizzas. <laughs> pizzas. Uh, yeah, that's... that's so he talks about like seeing a doctor, and they're like, "Yeah, it was four hundred bucks." He's like, "I figured I'd join the military, do this." You got like free. a real six weeks program? It's real tough, huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's classic. It's great. Um, <laughs> no, no, 
Harold Ramis, you forgot the funniest line he says. <laughs> I swear to God, it's his best line in the movie. My... <laughs> Really, I thought it would be a, behind you every step of the way is the best because it's like a subtle way. I'm like, I'm with you, but I'm going to watch you die first. <laughs> <laughs> My father always said, never hit anyone in anger unless you're absolutely sure you can get away with it. <laughs> <laughs> and then they all look at him like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, that is a fucking great line. That's actually pretty solid life advice, right? Like, if you can't win the fight, don't fucking start it. <laughs> and then, of course, chicks dig me. Because I rarely wear underwear, and when I do, it's usually something unusual. It's usually something unusual, yeah. Oh, man, that's... That Harold quote, last night I watched it, and I just, like, comprehended it really well for the first time, I think, and just lost my shit. Oh, yeah. I, I love his speech in there. Like, some of his stuff is... His delivery is so dry, like, you're not even paying attention to him because you're, like, waiting for the Bill Murray lines and that other stuff. But, like, I'll be right behind you every step of the way. And you're like, that's fucking classic... Harold Ramis, like, comedy right there. Just, mm -hmm. like, so, so good. Yeah, and, um... Oh, booger. It's okay. At least you're not unplugging cables. Um... Then they basically, uh... He's like, oh, I think this run should be postponed, or whatever, and they he gets the miles doubled, so they have to run 10 miles or whatever, but mm -hmm. he's pissed at him. Which is funny, because that's a continuity here, because the day before, he says, get ready, fellas, we got 10 miles tomorrow. So, like... He'd cut it in half by overnight, so then they're just back to where they were told the night before. Hmm. So really, they shouldn't have been mad at him. Interesting. Yeah. I love uh, Captain Stillman playing with the toys, like blowing shit up. Oh my god! Yeah, he's great. And even better, um, one of his my favorite line of his is uh, when he's spying on the women. Oh god, I wish I was a loofah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, his stuff is good right there. Oh my god. Which I is again, it's another one of those like <laughs> 80, yeah, 80s fucking typical like, ah, oh, we got to add some more TNA to this movie, right? Basically. And it was like so gratuitous back then and like you never thought anything. When I watched all these movies growing up as a kid, I'm like, now you watch stuff and you're like, ooh, they're trying to be risque. Like back then they just fucking did what they wanted. Yeah. And I'm not saying you need to do that now, but it's just interesting to see how things have changed. Yeah. So. Um Hulka lets Winger try to take a punch at him, and he gets punched in the fucking gut. Yeah. He's like, I'm willing to never forget about this. I want you to think about it real hard. And uh, that's an interesting scene. You got to have some conflict there. Um, and then he tries to desert, which is hilarious because Harold Ramis chases after him. In this and another scene that reminds you of Ghostbusters 2 exactly, getting out of the sewer outfit. tunnel because he's in his fucking long johns. And they're about to kill each other. Yeah, and they're What's fighting. What's the matter with me? In a I'm cold, about to kill you. Fighting in the cold in their underwear, yes. Um, and then the MPs show up, which is hilarious, right? Because you got two gorgeous women as military police. You're like, I, and not to discount women in any way, but at the time, like that was like, you're going to have these in there, right? It's not your traditional what you expect for military police, especially in 1980. So, but it works for the plot, basically. Huh. It's a plot device. Shut this off. Shut these all off. Mm-hmm. We've been canceled. You can cancel yourself, you stupid son of a bitch. Usually how it happens. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's usually something said from your own mouth. When, my, when I joke about cancel culture, it's not in the same way other people do. It's uh, satirical. Because we know Making we're fun of people who... Um, hate on cancel culture and think it's a huge concerning problem. Now, there's there's definitely some things out there 
and you have to give certain people for certain things, obviously, room to grow. But we're not going to go on a whole cancel culture lecture. I just don't want people hearing this and thinking, oh, he's all anti-cancel culture just like me. He's insane just like me. So there no, you go. We're just a little more self-aware of the kind of shit we say. Yeah. I feel like I have to point out the satire sometimes. Because yeah, sometimes we got to explain it. Sometimes you got to explain the joke, and then people say, oh, you're, you're full of shit, and you're not funny anyway, and I never listen to your podcast. All right, Bobcat. Exactly. Um, so, geez, Boog. Then you get um, Hulka climbing the rope and that scene with the mortar from mm -hmm. Captain Stillman. You know how to fire this weapon? Show me. Demonstrate your use of the weapon. Like, what are the coordinates? I don't care. Just do it. Yep. And then you get Rubber Band Man and Mud Wrestling. Fuck yeah, the Rubber Band Man by the Spinners. That's a fucking jam right there. And um, for you young kids out there that haven't watched a lot of old school movies, you might recognize that as the only song that actually appeared in the movie Avengers Infinity War when they introduced the Guardians of the Galaxy. Fun little tip. But Stripes did it first, so. Yeah. Um, I kind of skipped ahead here in notes. Because well, the, whole... the whole, they get arrested and then they spend the night with beautiful MPs. A lot of that scene, this is where the movie starts to go downhill for me a little bit. And some of it's still funny, but um, my next note is the only thing I laughed at during any of this was when they're fucking in the trunk. And it's not even that funny. No. <laughs> I mean, what you get is you see, like... Uh, COVID! Yeah. I mean, you see Bill Murray flirting with her in the kitchen and, like, acting like he's cooking her, which I get, right? You know, it's very typical. Like, yeah, if you're flirting with a girl, you might do something like that. Or flirting with a guy or flirting with somebody you like, whatever. <laughs> you know, that might be how you do it. The ice cream scoop was pretty funny because he's like, oh, what if I do this? Right. And, I, you know, okay, so there's some... Funny stuff, but without Bill Murray actually being in that scene, I really wouldn't give a shit about it because he's what makes it work. Yeah. Um, basically, then they go back, though, and it's like, oh, we need to practice. We got four. None of you guys ever crammed for a, an exam before? And they end up fighting, and Bill Murray does his uh, speech. Yeah, his famous speech. Well, before that, actually, Harold said <laughs> what makes them fight is, come on, black guys help the white guys. <laughs> oh for rhythm yeah 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 that's kind of yeah but it's it's funny considering the context because i feel like he knew it was going to trigger people when he said it that's why he did it yeah like he seems like he's trolling yeah i mean i think he's just trying to rile the crowd there and it seems for... like something nick would say i feel yeah. like like he would know that it's fucked up that he's saying it and that's and why he'll say it, it anyway yes but not yeah i don't know there's a certain way of saying it where he doesn't mean it and it is a joke it's so hard to explain that kind of shit. I don't know. Well, this stuff's just not done the same way as it used to be. Um, and, and for for good cause for most of it, but it's just a different time. Well, this isn't as bad as some shit either. No, for this sure. This isn't like blackface or something. Come on. No, I'm um, just saying like that. It's it would be written a little different. Boogie! You might be hearing our mascot in the background who's uh, pissed that he's not part of the show. Fucking Chewbacca sounding motherfucker out there. <laughs> yeah. Um... So, you know, you get that famous Bill Murray speech there where he basically like, we're all Americans. Yeah. And that's very, like, it's cliche, like, it's been on a 
It's a punk band I used to listen to called Virus Nine. They're on a Anti Flags record label back in the old fashioned times, and they have a whole clip of that speech they play before a song in the record. It's commonly used in music and culture and stuff. It's way overdone, in my opinion, at this point, but <laughs> that's just me. Um, again, this is where I don't have many notes. Well, they do at the graduation, right? They show up late. They wind up wowing everybody, so then they get put on the special project for the urban assault vehicle, the EM-50. Mm-hmm. So the next thing you know, they get deployed overnight to Germany. And then I forget that I'm not watching Spies Like Us. Yes. And then, uh, you know, obviously, John and Russell decide they're going to steal this thing and go see the girls who happen to get stationed overseas at the same time they did. They're trying to get their dicks wet. Yeah, I get what they're doing. But you're like, I don't. that's not really how that works. So a lot of this is very coincident. I mean, it's funny, but it's at the same time. Like, the first half of this movie is great. This part just drags. It does. For me. I mean, I I still love the movie, and I'm still going to watch it all the time. But this is the part where I stop paying attention, I start getting out the lubricant and selecting the porn videos and stuff like that. You know <laughs> what I mean? I'm just like, all right, we can kill some time here. You got, yeah, you got about 10 or 15 minutes here before it gets interesting again. On my no, team. and it's it's not that it's not interesting. It's just very cliche military stuff at this point, right? So you kind of see all this stuff going on with it. Um, then obviously you find out by Captain Stillman's trying to get laid and brings that chicken there to see that he's like, oh, yeah, these guys checked it out to go get it washed. Okay. Next thing you know, they go looking for him, and they think that they're like Russian spies and that they defected to Russia with a urban assault vehicle. When really, they're just over. Where'd they say they wind up going? Shit. Uh, Czechoslovakia. Yeah, no, that's where they, that's where the troops go to look for them, but where do they actually take the EMV-52? Or EM-50? Fuck, I don't remember, man. Either way, it doesn't really matter, so... Uh, nope. Shenanigans ensue. You see a bunch of, like, physical comedy with them breaking through the barriers, breaking into Czechoslovakia. The only parts I like here is the guards. The guards are great, and like I said, that's Joe Flaherty that's uh, in Happy Gilmore, and he's great as that, right? I don't know who his partner was. I, I haven't recognized him as from as much other stuff. Interesting note, though, I did read that they were um, using some Russian military uniforms from, like, the 1940s, so probably surplus stuff that was readily available after World War II, I'm assuming, Mm. but uh, fun nonetheless. Then you get through the whole breakout scene, right? They realize what's going on, then they show off the EM-50, which is kind of a neat concept. It's kind of fun, right? You know, goofy car with all these gags and pranks. It's like a precursor to the Batmobile basically because it's got shields. Feels more like vacation. Gun- yeah, it's like vi- it's like if Bruce Wayne took his family on vacation, this is the vehicle he would drive. No, Trust I meant me, like the movie Vacation. It. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> like the sh- shitty car because it's yeah. like clearly it's the fucking just ugliest green thing Clearly ever. it's not it's like a s- this is the budget of the movie yeah. right here. Which is fine because it looks interesting. It looks cooler than something the military would have. Like There is some fun stuff in there, though, like some little details in the background. Like, you see Russell's been reading the manual the whole time in this, like as they're sitting outside of it before they steal it, so he's actually pretty well-versed in how it works. Yeah. Which a lot of things would never show that anyone actually learned how to use that shit, but you see him with the manual multiple times throughout. So I think that works for just kind of building that backstory as you're watching. Makes sense. And then the uh, ending is kind of anticlimactic. Really, they just show that like they come back as heroes, and I'm like, why are you heroes? You fucking stole that. You'd be reprimanded and fucking kicked out of the army. I don't care what the fuck happened with it. So Yeah, pretty much. Like, this is your fault, so, you know, just one of those fake happy endings for a movie. Fucking A, man. 
Still fun. Still love this movie, but that first half has some of those amazing gems. Like, to me, this is the comedy version of Full Metal Jacket. It's like a Full Metal Pretty Jacket much. spoof. And that's why I love it so much, because I love that movie very much for the same reasons, but this is so much like its own thing that works so well for that. But again, the second half of Full Metal Jacket is way more on par with the second half of this movie, where it just kind of loses it after you get out of the base. Well, see, I like Full Metal Jacket's second half a lot. It's a hard adjustment, because you're like, oh, I thought this was... Like, you know, you spend so much time at the other place, but I think it works out a little bit better than this one. Too, oh, yeah, for sure. Horrifying. I mean, well, this is spoofing that and trying to be a comedy of it. I, yeah. I get it, so... But, yeah. Um, and that came out the year be- fucking before this, so... Mm-hmm. I believe. Or wait, was that 81 also? Wait. Was this the same year? No, no, no. Hold on. I'm pretty sure it came out much later, actually. 87? Yeah. Full Metal Jacket came out in 87. Damn. Full Metal Jacket is a serious rendition of Stripes. The first half, I <laughs> like the whole drones. Yeah, that's like that so much of that. Because huh. Full Metal Jacket looks like it's from 1979, film Because it takes place yeah. during the Vietnam War. They okay, did it so very well, though. I don't know. It. Yeah, it hits right. Yeah, okay, that makes that makes a little more sense now. Yeah, sometimes that's one of those movies that always throws me off with the year, and that doesn't happen very much. Usually, I can look at a movie and be like, "It's within these three years." That one always gets me though. Um, that's about all I have to say about Stripes. That's all I have to say much, about yeah. that. That's what we've got for that one. And um, you gonna play some theme music for us again? Uh, sure, it's just gonna be the same theme music, though. Well, then you don't have to play it if you don't want to. You know what I just watched? Me pulling a can off some morons fist. Return of the Jedi. Did you see Alien? When that uh, creature was in that guy's stomach? Oh my god! This is what it's like being high. We're gonna review this whole thing in space. We should do that sometime. Review a movie that takes place in space and just do it whole time with massive fucking reverb. Well, the space does make sense for this because of uh, <laughs> our good old pals cameo in this. So yeah, um, this came out in two thousand six. Two thousand five or two thousand six? Two thousand six. It's it's, yeah. it's listed as two thousand five, but I think that's when it had its like. First movie premiere. festival premiere. Yeah. Well, there was also other premieres and stuff too. So yeah, I think yeah. actual theaters are two thousand six. The wide release is two thousand six, probably. So we saw it in theaters with exes. Yep. So that's fun. Didn't we see it together? Yeah, with your ex and my ex. Yeah, it's fucking weird, man. Isn't it? Well, at least we're still together. <laughs> Um, and I didn't know at the time it was directed by Jason Reitman. Neither did I. I just looked like a funny movie. Yeah. And then come to find out, so obviously we're talking Jason Reitman's Thank You for Smoking, based on the book of the same title, written by Christopher Buckley. Um, Jason Reitman actually wrote and directed this, so he wrote the adaption all on his own. He's got the single writing credit for it. Pretty impressive, really, uh-huh. in the grand scheme of things. I kind of want to read the book now that I've, uh, kind of rewatched this again. Give it a shot. See how close the adaptation is. This has got a pretty fucking good cast, too. Aaron Eckhart plays Nick Naylor. 
J.K. Simmons is BR, which they never explain why his name is BR. Cameron Bright plays Joey Naylor. He was a young kid in there, right? You know, he's uh, Nick's son. William H. Macy is Senator Finister from Vermont. Katie Holmes is Heather Holloway, a reporter. Sam Elliott is Lauren Lutch, the original Marlboro Man. Robert Duvall is the captain. David Keckner is Bobby J. Bliss, Kansas City native, represent. Uh, Maria Bellio as Polly Bailey. And Catherine Reitman has a cameo as reporter number one. And that is our review for Thank You for Smoking. No. Yeah, no. It's funny, though, that Catherine Reitman, if you're familiar with the whole family, right, It's they're all very talented in that, right? So Catherine's got a very popular Netflix show about, I think it's called Working Moms or something like that. So mm. pretty pretty good if you haven't seen it. If you got kids and shit around, it makes it a lot funnier. You You'll notice kids, there's no actual people smoking cigarettes in this movie besides the old people in the old movies that are shown. Oh, yeah, before they wipe them out. Of Jason Reitman very yeah. deliberately did, did that. Yep. Um, so it opens up with the fucking, the show, whatever, I can't remember what the show is called, but um, Robin, or whatever. The person, oh, the, to- the fake talk show, yeah. basically. And then the, the the cancer kid on TV. And yep, the cancer kid and Sinister, or not Sinister, Senator Finister's aide is on there. Yeah. And he's like, you know, I'm the VP of the Academy of Tobacco Studies and has the, all that very interesting editing style and stuff mm-hmm. where yeah. it like jumps away and shows him like doing weird shit. Yeah, because he's also giving you the, the the kind of voiceover introduction yeah. to his whole thing. It goes over that whole like the big moment in that scene is where he flips it on the guy and he's basically like, yeah, there's no reason we would want him to die because we'd be losing a customer. If anything, you want him to die because uh, it'll make your budget go up. Yeah. And um, we want him alive and smoking. <laughs> yeah, which is fucked up to say, but it's like very true when you look at those. Yeah. Well, that's This is really well done satire, black comedy. Oh, like, it's fucking amazing. It reminds me of American so Psycho good. and Wolf of Wall Street type shit. <clears throat> and the whole mod squad in this, the Merchants of Death, that's yeah. a beautiful thing too. I love that little how that kind of circles back to that to tie it through. Yeah, for sure. That's they're they're like meeting up and alcohol, tobacco, and firearms, and talking about all their fucking shit that they're going through recently, basically. And he's like giving them advice on I can't remember what it was exactly, but something. Yeah, and then they're all basically, you know, they're the lobbyists for the merchants of death, so you know they're trying to get out there and put their spin on things, things for a public speaking manner, right? And so it's very interesting to see how that plays out. But they, I love uh, how they keep coming back together in there, right? That's some great conversation, some great dialogue there. I like the uh, whole topic of uh, why is the American government the best government in the world? Oh, the the father-son moments in this movie are amazing. Reminds me very much of that thing from um, Newsroom, Jeff Daniels' speech. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that's a very popular one. I, you know, that came well after this did, but... Yeah, but it just reminds me of that, that type of speech. And, um, I don't know, very good and interesting. Well done. His interactions with the kid are not always my favorite, but they are not bad either. When I was younger, when I watched this movie, I was like 16, so 15 maybe. You know, so it was like I didn't fully understand everything that was happening yet. I had a grasp that was not what it is now, basically. 15 years later. Yeah, I mean, I think... Holy shit. Him explaining things and breaking it down works very well. And kind of shows you how he's, 
I just mean like wife's... when you're 15, you don't even know what a fucking lobbyist is, and it's oh, hard to even yeah. understand. Still, you're basically that. When I was basically that kid, like I don't understand what's happening this whole time. But now, obviously, I get it. I bought this movie when I was like 16 or 17 too, because I enjoyed it. I just didn't fully grasp everything that was happening. I caught most of that just the first time, just but I was always into the politics of that shit at the time. Being a fucking kid that grew up in punk rock and being angry at the government and the world. So. You were six years older than me as well. Seven. Yeah, that's true. I'm old. I'm going to... I like the uh, the joke there uh, when he's like an environmentalist and it pauses and puts in quotes, pussy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's some funny shit in there. Uh, the cancer kid talk when he's like, when you're looking for a cancer kid, you want him to be sick. You want him to have goldfish. In a in a bag, you want him to be in a wheelchair. Yeah, yeah. William H Macy's great in this, and um, he can get on your nerves sometimes with some of the stuff he's in. But obviously, Jurassic Park three in this, he's fucking so... best people around though. Like, man, I never, I don't watch that show Shameless, but I've heard he's really good in that. Yeah, he's good in that. Jurassic Park three, he plays an annoying role, but that's his role. He does it well. Fargo, excellent. Yeah, he's well, that's, great. That's the thing. A lot of people can't handle him when he's super annoying, which. He's cast for a reason because he can do those roles very well. So, and in this, like, you fucking hate him just because he's such an asshole. And you're like, yeah, typical politician. But to be honest, I literally hate everyone in this movie except, like, the kid who's innocent. Yeah, because everyone in here is fucking around, like, for their own betterment. And they're all just treating everyone else like shit. Well, right. You're supposed to, obviously, it's it's showing that, yeah, there's some fucked up shit on the tobacco side. But it's clearly, it's not the just senator enough. is who's anti-smoking. Look at the alcohol on this desk. Look at... Uh, this man is wearing socks with sandals. Come on. Yeah, well, they point out I the hate that more than here. anything else. I think one, one of my favorite... And we'll jump out of continuity for a moment. But I think one of my favorite things in this whole movie is that when uh, Bobby's eating um, apple pie with a slice of cheese on top of it, and then you see Nick Naylor like, look at the cheese and realize, like, that motherfucker... Like, at first glance, you may not realize it, but, like, he yeah. stops and stares at that cheese and that American flag in there, and it's, like, it's all done very well. The shot's beautiful and, like, really gets the point across. But if you're not paying close attention, like, it doesn't make sense when they go back in full circle later saying, well, you're clogging people's arteries with your cheese. Mm-hmm. You're, you're killing people, too, right? Food's more deadly than anything else because food's more deceptive. So it's it's very on point with that. Like, hey, pick your poisons, right? So... And then he goes out with the uh, journalist and proceeds to fuck her all over his place in the same position. Yeah. But just all over. I don't get that, but whatever. I don't know. And It's just an easy way to not show a bunch and eat, have it look like they're having weird sex, I guess. Yeah, and it's funny because Bobby's character keeps talking about her tits. He's like, with great tits. That's yeah. the way he like, says it. And then, obviously, Polly's like, looking at him like, tits? Really? And they're just like, yeah. He's basically. another one of those guys, David Koechner, that's like, Super annoying, but uh, just because he's good at what he's doing. Yes. That's why you hate him. And he's a legit <laughs> good person out, outside of there. You know, he does yeah. a lot of stuff for the community, so. Um, like how the kid fucking bullies the mom into letting him go on the trip. He can fucking manipulates the fuck out of her. He de- basically says everything is dad. He, he's learned all that from his dad and basically is like, well, if you don't want me to learn, I, I guess. Yeah. But, like, at the same time, you see the kids <laughs> being used back in here. And as a divorced dad, I can tell you, like, Oh, yeah. The kind of bullshit that, like, I fucking worry about in my future, so. Um, Hope to never have to deal with that. Rob Lowe's assistant is the singer from the band in Jennifer's Body that we just watched. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
He's much more likable in this movie too, isn't he? Yeah. It's kind of annoying in that way. He's like too friendly. He's like, hey, give me an email. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they talk about the, the space movies, trying to get cigarettes in uh, movies again, basically. It's one of those, one of the best lines in this movie again is, uh, you know, wouldn't they blow up in space? I don't know. Probably. But that's no problem. We'll just have a line like, uh, thank God we invented the, uh, you, you know, whatever Such device. A, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's so true, right? That's how movies work with all that shit, so... Um, what are they talking? Brad Pitt and Zellweger is one of them. Not Renee Zellweger, isn't it? Catherine Zeta Jones. Oh, maybe I don't fucking yeah. Know so they're talking about those, and like it's twenty five or ten million for the one, twenty five for the pair. I'm like, oh, the movie company's not stupid. But I also love the uh, what is it, the Sultan of Zatan or whatever? They're talking about him being a, a co-financer. A co-financer, yet he's a genocidal madman. Yeah. So you're like, like, oh, oh I don't know. This is what people do too. With, like, allegations against people. I don't know. He's always been nice to me. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. You aren't that person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's that's why this movie works so well on so many different levels. You aren't... Rob Lowe, you're not able to be a victim of him. That's why you're not. If you lived in his country... You know yeah. Um, that's the whole bit there. Though I think, you know... Mm-hmm. One of the big scenes was with Sam Elliott when you see the whole bribe go down. Yeah, as I said, that's what goes down next. The briefcase of cash. How he manipulates people, man. Yeah, and he's got his kid there, which Luck's out for, because obviously Joey comes out and is like, hey, comes out with the car with his hands up, and so fucking de-escalates the situation pretty quick, which obviously would have gone way different had he not been there. So, And then his son, Joey, obviously asks a lot of good questions, like, how did you know he'd take the money, Dad? I was like, oh, yeah. once I knew that he wasn't crazy, I knew that no person that wasn't crazy would turn that kind of money down. Yeah. Um. The fuck does this mean? But Sam Elliott, though, in that whole scene, like, he's great, too, because he's, like, so fucking, like, his ass has been chapped, and they're like, we're sorry about your medical concern. Yeah. And, uh... Nobody second guesses with his voice that he uh, smoked a lot, so... Mm-mm. Then you have the fucking Dennis Miller talk show. Yeah, which is a funny little scene. Dennis Miller, you know, being uh, very annoying and doing lots of head-jerking movements. Yeah, looks like a fucking chicken. One of the only Republicans ever on SNL, pretty much. <laughs> really annoying, but sometimes occasionally funny if he's in a movie. Accidentally funny. Yeah, pretty much. Funny I don't know, I just don't like him. yeah. But maybe I'm one of those people who's just like, you know what, fuck Republicans. But I don't know. I don't know. I just I'm a little like, bit at least. I, I'm, I'm kind of like fuck all politicians because none of them actually want to fucking work for you, really, for the most part. Otherwise, they wouldn't make careers out of free money. I mean, I get it. I disagree to some extent, but we all go through that phase. I get it. Of hating everyone. Of all politicians. Yeah. I don't hate Bernie. I don't hate AOC. There's others I don't hate, but yeah, they stick out. Yeah, there's some stuff out there, maybe. Anyway, <laughs> Dustin's like, we're gonna fucking tear down Bernie Sanders on this podcast, bitch. No, I don't got. I mean, aside from him being a career politician, like every trap other politician, that motherfucker. he talks shit on. I want to see results. It's like they that's why you go into results. politics. Yeah, they expect. That's why you go into politics because it's like the public sector. They expect results. That's why they're teaching. <sighs> <sighs> 
So the second half of this movie is pretty good because then you get that pretty big damning article that comes out from Heather Holloway in... Well, that's after he's kidnapped. Oh, fuck Covered yeah, in fucking nicotine patches. That kidnapping's brutal. Like, because he gets that threat on there. Yeah, you're going to you're gonna fucking stop. Which is some crazy shit you could see in America right now. Like, people blaming someone that's just getting paid to talk. I like the hotel video hallucination that he has when he's in the hospital. Yeah. It's just a cool bit. It's I a like good that. little sequence in there. And then, yeah, smoking saved your life. Yeah, he gets the whole spin on that smoking saved your life. Yeah, he's like, if you weren't a smoker, all that nicotine would have killed you. Yep. Oh, God. Then he's told he can never smoke again, though, which he's like, whatever. Yeah. He's kind of upset, but then he's like, oh, well, I guess. Fuck it. Um, the merchants of death are mad at him, basically, because um, they've been contacted about shit for the article. Mm-hmm. They start questioning that. Then the captain dies. He goes to that funeral. Then he goes to the hearing, even though he's kind of disgraced at the moment because of the article coming out. And then... He yeah, well, he his... basically gets fired, right? And J.K. Simmons, <laughs> yeah. like, we see him as BR in there. He's he's great in this, even though his role's pretty straightforward and small, right? It's not like a yeah. huge thing, but he's kind of the leading man. But he, he kind of, he does Nick Naylor dirty, right? He's like, well, damage control, Nick. Well, that's like, the thing. None of these people are good people. I, I just don't. There's no winners or losers. There's just kind of everybody's an asshole, and they're doing... The point of this is kind of like, yeah, there's crazy and evil manipulation, but at the end of the day, some of these people are still people. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what it shows down to, it, right? Because obviously you see that that dialogue between Heather and Nick, and she's like, well, you know, we could have gone out to dinner or whatever, but you wanted to fuck, and... Yeah, so I like, love you that. me, and I'm like... Yeah, but you wanted to fuck, and it's like, yeah... She, she she manipulated you, bitch, and you're just like yeah shocked. Yeah, he's shocked because it got it was role reversal, right? Uh, I do like that. That was a pretty good line. Like the delivery, and that's great. But then he also comes back and he gets his revenge on her, which is even crazier because he's like someone I won't say basically slept with me to get these contacts and all the stuff off the, you know, stuff that would have been off the off record. The record um, was on the record, so. Yeah, so he goes to the hearing, and, you know, he's like, oh, cigarettes are okay, grumble, grumble. And then, obviously, Senator Finister is like, uh, well, when your son's 18 and he wants a cigarette, yeah, what will you do? Yeah, that's one line I actually wrote down from that speech, because then he's like, if he really wants a cigarette, I'll buy him his first pack. Yeah. Um, And then the, you know, the little ending scene of... Um, Merchants of Death expanding with like uh, there's an oil rig, a biohazard sign, and fast food. Yeah, there's yeah, it's, it's kind of funny, just kind of showing you because I I doubt that was actually probably in the book. That just can't. It seems like one of those things is more timely because yeah, I think this the book was from like '95, and this is even more timely is when they're talking about digitally removing cigarettes. Yeah, yeah, dig- yeah. Because uh, anytime I see that scene, it just reminds me of E.T. removing the guns and putting the walkie-talkies in there. And that was that the 20th anniversary edition of that. That was so fucking like panned. Everyone's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Yeah, and a lot of people have issues with Disney altering stuff. But like, I don't have a problem if you're just going to offer a racism-free version of Disney cartoons. Taking cigarettes out is a little stupider, but that's why I buy my own versions of movies too. That yeah, don't have anything done to them because someday when you're streaming your shit and 
there's no guns or boobies or blood. I'm gonna be sitting over here with all the boobies. It's gonna be Alex Masturbatorial House and of Pleasure. Guns. Pretty much. Bring so, condoms. Or don't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, or don't. Mouths can't get pregnant. But we'll try. <laughs> <laughs> We've been trying, Doc. <laughs> it won't work. I told you it won't work. Well, we gotta be, we gotta keep trying. We gotta be sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, so thank you for smoking. Really holds up. It's still great. Um, yes. It's fucking hilarious, though. I mean, it's so good throughout the entire movie. And like you said, like, the characters, none of them are good people. Because you even see that Nick has gone on to be a consultant just to help other people with their PR spins, like, right? And, you know, like, yeah. so he's still doing the same thing, essentially. He's just helping other people cover up their bullshit. Yeah. Which makes sense, right? I love how the characters... The characters core is still kind of remains the same as who they are throughout the film even though they go through some bad shit they're still essentially there and the only person you see have a lot of growth and development is joey i was about to say yeah joey has it if anything nick develops only as a father but not any other aspect that's the only aspect where you could say that he arguably grows at or tries to and you could almost say that yeah since he doesn't go back to the tobacco company and work from there no i think he was just forward thinking and knowing that he got out at a good time because obviously after that all the tobacco stuff happened right which makes sense so um pretty good fucking flick so once you know you watch that movie and then you're like oh fuck jason reitman did that and then you're like oh jason reitman's doing the new ghostbusters all right fuck yeah i mean juno is one of my favorite movies too and um he directed that as well Mm -hmm. and up in the air is a great film too yeah I remember working that in a the theater, and I was like, man, this movie's made for people older than me, but I'm enjoying it, and the older I get, the more relatable it is. Yeah. Well, yeah, if you've... There's a young person in that movie and an old person, so it's kind of like if you're 18 to 25, you can relate to the younger person, but 30, I'm, I'm going on 30, I'm starting to relate to Clooney now, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, he's fucking finds out he's dating a married chick or fucking a married chick all over town. and like, Fire you know, a nickel. Yeah, <laughs> you had a nickel for every married chick you banged. You'd probably have a no, dollar. No, every time I found out oh. that she was married afterwards. That's fair. That's fair. That's not your problem, though, unless they come looking for you. Does that make you a bad person? I don't know. I guess if that wasn't disclosed to you up front, you were just doing what you were doing. I guess. Yeah. You have any regrets? Garfield, maybe. <laughs> yes, I was hoping you'd say that. <laughs> uh, that's the only logical thing to say there. Well, that's going to kind of wind up this episode, so uh, we will see you next week. And, uh, Alec, let's play the uh, play the outro. Let's do it. Let's do it, kids. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to the Frog Brothers Podcast. We'd greatly appreciate it if you could like and subscribe if you're listening on YouTube. And if you're listening on the audio feed on Spotify or Apple or Twitch or wherever you listen... Tell your friends and make sure to subscribe to our YouTube at youtube.com slash thefrogbros. Hit us up on Instagram at frogbrospodcast, on Twitter at bros underscore frog, on TikTok at frogbrospodcast, and follow us on Facebook. Join our Facebook group, Frog Bros Video, by searching just that, Frog Bros Video. Hit request to join and you'll be approved. We have shirts available. The link is in our Instagram bio and below in the description. And you can find stickers on Etsy at Frog Bros, all one word. Additionally, if you'd like to give us a call and leave a voicemail soon, our Patreon will be live and we'll be posting monthly responses and reactions to the voicemails. Dial 816-832-5388.